how do you pick a real estate agent? Yes. So it can be a couple of different things. Agents are now probably better educated as well as to what properties are going to sell. Talk about it over coffee when we used to just catch up for coffee and not record it. You talk about it in a way that's accessible and easy to listen. If you've if you've been in your career for a short while, how do you take yourself to the next level? Yeah. Um, it was really a podcast. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Epic voice guy. Week on the property part. All right, guys. Welcome to the Property Pod. We are back. We have defeated the audio demons that we had last week and we are here. First go, we got straight into crisp audio and a video. Yeah, it, wasn't, it, was, it took us only 20 minutes last time, didn't it? And I've noticed I've got some sweet product placement at the moment. Oh, they're the you vision know, for anybody out there. John is drinking it, out of this. It's like people only do things because they get paid and that's really sad, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm more, I'm more interested in supporting the little guy yeah, rather than the corporate, so, you know. Well, we're back. We're in a better mood this week. Uh, thank you for everyone that slogged through last week. It was a bit of a... Uh, chewy one. It was very chewy. There was lots of uh, high-concept ideas and stuff that I didn't really understand. I actually got some um, feedback from a friend. Oh, you know, You guys know Mark Stewart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a, a guy we went to school with who went and studied economics and now lives in the Netherlands... Uh, he's, that sounds like a sexy story, doesn't it? Oh, look, we could go into that. That'd be a yeah, whole yeah. Story in yeah. itself. But yeah, no, he's, he's reached out. We're having a yarn and he's just said, mate, I studied economics, but what Johnny Mac was talking about, that was a real roundabout way of talking about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you didn't understand that's what our show is about. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, you should know by now if he's a long time listener that we talk. We're right. just going to have a crack at it. <laughs> uh, and look, one thing he did say was the audio sounded really good. It was just what was coming out of the audio. It wasn't all that good. <laughs> well, actually, um, it's awesome that he brought that up because I, I gave my brother uh, Luke a call because um, just to see, see what they thought. And it was, it was really because like we discussed last time, he's doing that um, segment, Lukeonomics. Look, and one of the drivers behind what he wants for that is to enable people to have better conversations because most of the time, none of us know what the hell we're talking about. And so it seemed with my last rant as well. Case in point. Yeah, yeah. And because he said one of the, because a lot of the, one of the times we'll make, you know, false, was it false equivalencies um, where um, a terminology that you use might seem it makes sense, but that's completely wrong. So one of them that I was using was false, um, the idea of false economy. And that's where I was saying, look, if you stimulate stuff too much, it creates a false economy. Now that's completely wrong. It's, that's not the definition of false economy at all. Well, the actual definition of... Um, uh, now, before you go right into have you looked it up? Are you reading it out from a source? Because yes, yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't define something again with the wrong definition. No, I, I, I could probably share my screen so people know that I'm not making it up. Maybe Is this going to work? We could no, have, we trust you. As long we as you read it out. Right, check. Yeah. So if you type in false economy in Google, um, there's two little sections that comes up. Um, so an apparent financial saving that in fact leads to greater expenditure, or it says in economics, a false economy is an action that saves money at the beginning, but which over a longer period of time results in more money being spent or wasted than being saved. So an example is using cheap, um, buying cheap batteries that don't last very long versus buying a little bit more expensive batteries that, you know, last you the longest time. So you think you're saving money up front, but then you've got to keep rebuying these batteries. Whereas if you just bought one good one, it would have lasted the whole time anyway. And I remember years ago at uh, Glenorchy, there used to be that shop Joker's Discount. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Um, it was like yeah. everything for $2. That's where we got this big round about to get to his point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, that- but I remember my, my mate, one of my best mates, Michael, he used, to, he used to buy these $2 Joker's Discount watches all the time that would end up, um, but they'd only last a week. And then they break and have to go buy another one. Um, so I was thinking, well, why don't you just buy a $50 watch? He's like, nah, I like my $2. False economy. 
But if you think about the price of a really, really good watch, if you're talking kind of your tag yours or your Rolex, this sort of thing, by the time he's bought 50 watches for each week, he's still in front. Well, I guess if it was a tag, he's going to have to spend probably by a thousand watches at this point. Um, so yeah, you're right. So if, if you don't buy a luxury um, and you just buy Joker's discount watches, he's still in front. But- Speaking of luxury, just before we started uh, the podcast, we were discussing this topic quickly. Mm. And Patrick saw another example of this just in your office there where you could have bought tissues. Oh, yes, yes. So rather than when I'm blowing my nose, I've just got um, toilet paper. Now, admittedly, <laughs> I'm, I'm scraping that off our um, big box collections downstairs. But uh, oh, So it's a nice two-ply stuff. It is, it is. So you, know, you roll it in half, you've got four. I was really disappointed the other week when I went to the supermarket and the whole place is still out of toilet paper. Um, and end up buying one that only had the one ply, but it was like thicker one ply. Mate, you know you're in a first world problem, and that's my biggest issue over the last seven days. And we're moving on now. I reckon <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> the last, the last point I wanted to make on that too, though, was where um, another um, challenge. No, I just, I just didn't know was the idea of um, government debt. Now, this, uh, well, I don't even know where to start this. I'm not even going to touch it. But there's this. Uh, idea of modern economic theory where the idea of our government debt is different than our personal debt and that's the best that I can think to describe but what I, re- what I really was grateful about Luke sharing that and the good thing that Mark pointed out to you as well mate was that um, what I'm more passionate about is obviously allowing us to have better conversations and if for my part my perceptions was completely wrong so you know there is arguments to be made well like where I was using the word false economy but you know, the idea of stimulus creates, you know, um, is there is, you know, some merit in that. But, you know, for me, I've got to go learn what those proper words are, less I'm arguing a point that I'm really, really getting wrong. Um, so I, I really, I'm really awesome. I'm really happy for the fact well, that those guys pointed that out. I reckon we should just clear one last thing up there. You don't understand economics, but you can sell houses. Yes. Yeah, so we could then. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do, Jamie. There's another thing too, is that I love getting passionate about stuff that I don't care about. You know, so it's just, you know, you, you start, you know, you get, you're just getting a, a debate with someone about something that's just completely irrelevant. So in this case, it could be about, you know, one ply toilet paper, but we won't go that far. No, look, the really good thing is that there are people out there that will call us up or let us know that we're uh, way off mark and. Yeah whether the information we've given out is correct or incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. People will say, hey, look, firstly, I listened. And secondly, you were wrong. Yes. So it's going to be a while before I touch on that subject again. So there's a few more conversations. Well, like I said, I know my one thing well, and for everything else, I surround myself with people much smarter than me. Well, one thing I've been listening to the Scrubs uh, rewatch, um, the the two guys, the two main guys from Scrubs have been doing a rewatch through the whole season through COVID because they can't do anything. Mm. And whenever they get stuck on so a question. So we're talking Turk and JD. We're talking Turk and JD. Um, whenever they get stuck on a question, they just send off to the creator and he'll just send through an audio clip that says, no, nah, boys, you're way off, Mark. Here's what you think. So perhaps Luke could be our audio um, creator and we'll just, yep. we'll just reach out to him and he could send us through audio. And so you're wrong. Yeah, I like that. You're wrong. You're just wrong, mate. You're wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's stimulate the rest of this conversation by jumping into oh, uh, the stimulate. Thank you. Segue. Oh. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's stimulate this conversation. Oh. <laughs> jumping into. I'm, I'm so glad we're happy this week. Last week. Yeah, was, last week was brutal. It was brutal. 
Um, let's talk about this grant that kind of has actually been announced and we know a little bit more about this week. So there's... Well, it's one of those things that's been announced but hasn't been announced, but it is happening today. So... Yeah, there's enough press around to say that, yeah, there's going to be a, a $25,000 grant from the federal government for home builders and basically to boost tradies. Mm. So, uh, Pat, you're the man. Boom, thanks. All right, so basically, as most of you probably would have heard by now, there is going to be up to $25,000 available to people that are looking to build a brand new home or looking to do renovations on their property. Now, there are catches to it. Yeah, so when this uh, was first announced, it looked like all the DIYers out there, like myself, who are working on their house to make it, you know, a palace, it was just like, oh, free money, like, baby, we get a new bathroom, oh, we get a new yeah. toilet. It's amazing when, when something goes, how, how that one crucial thing is what you want the most, in your case, a new toilet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like... There is catches though to it, like everything. Yep. Um, so it's not going to be available for absolutely everybody out there, but it is going to help a lot of people sort of get into the market and do some things to their places, which is great. And it's also going to stimulate the building industry, which is going to be fantastic as well. Uh, but the main takeaway is that if you are looking to use it to buy towards a house, it can only be for properties under the value of $750,000. So Is it dependent upon each state, buddy? Or was that um, no, so Australia? From what I understand reading the Mercury's article, it sounds like that's going to be the cap from the federal government's perspective. If you're buying a house over 750000 you won't be eligible to get the $25,000 from them to put towards it. Right, okay. Uh, but it's not just for first-home buyers. It's anybody buying a new home. Mm. So it's for, a stab- for anyone that's owned a house in the past, as long as they're buying a new home. So the, the few things that we don't know just yet, and hopefully they'll clear it up over the coming days, is... Does this count only if you buy a block of land and sign a building contract with a tradie to build that new home? Do you get the 20000 Or we have another type of new home, which is what we call spec homes, which is where a tradie will go build a house fully complete and then sell it straight away as a brand new home. Now, for first-home buyers grants, they qualify for um, the money for that aspect, but we don't know if this federal grant will cover brand new homes in that sort of respect. So... There is still a few things we're waiting to hear over the coming days as to how this will actually work, but there is some good things around sort of brand new homes sort of coming to market, which will help builders, it'll help real estate agents. There's a lot of industries that it's going to help sort of kickstart again. Now, I think wasn't the the conversation they're having around to say, look, obviously everyone's still really busy, but they're forecasting, you could call it the pipeline, that a lot of projects were coming to an end. So to prevent that, um, they're putting this money in now so that everyone starts booking those projects and there's no down sway. Is that right? Well, that's what I understand it to be. Um, but you look at Hobart, like where, where are you going to find a builder to start work straight away? So oh, no, it's like yeah, 12 my, months behind already. Yeah. My cousin uh, works as a builder and, and a few other mates work in the building industry and they got into that real pinch of a few things were drying up and they weren't um, getting new jobs, but they also didn't lose the 30% of their workflow. So they mm. didn't actually kind of fit into this job seeker, job keeper thing. So it did actually force them into a hole and they were still working, but it was kind of getting to this point now where it's like, oh, well, once that job's done, no one else is investing in kind of the next step with all the uncertainty. So yeah. I guess this is a way of giving it a shot in the arm and being like, all right, here we go. Like let's yeah. really fund some money into yeah. so building a new sector. The other flip side to this as well is that it does cover renovations as well. Now there are sort of things around that as well. Uh, in regards to renovations, it's 
basically dollar for dollar. So if you're looking to get $25,000 from the government towards your renovation, you've got to put 25000 in as well. So you've basically got to spend $50,000 on your property. However, if your new kitchen is only 20000 in total, then the government will pay 10 towards it and you'll pay 10 towards it. So um, yeah, it's a little bit harder on a sort of renovation job to get the full stimulus money from the government. However, there are options there as well if you do have some things around the house that you've been putting off and you've been thinking about doing them, now might be the time to look into it. Hang on. So in, in the way you just described, they're saying they're going to match dollar for dollar up to the value of 50000 So if you've got 100 bucks, they'll give you 50 Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So okay. yeah, so if you spend $25, they will give you $25. Why hmm. well, the math has just gone out, of, out the window here. Yeah. So... All right, let's look. Let's go flip it around. Like we get a quote for a brand new kitchen, and yep. it's say forty thousand dollars. Yep. The government's going to give you twenty thousand towards that forty thousand okay. dollar kitchen. Yep. Let's go that way. Yeah. Um, okay. So the most that you can spend on a Reno is fifty thousand, and they'll go halves with you basically. Once you spend sixty thousand dollars in total, they'll still only give you twenty five thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's just kind of coming unstuck there in the middle of just like, well, what happens if you go over? Like, do, do you have to get a quote that says you're this or you're that? No, I don't think there's any cap on how much you spend on your own house. It's just a cap on how much they'll give you towards the renovation. Yeah. Not totally, totally on board with that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what I've also read as well, reading between the lines on the different articles, is that um, it's only for um, families that earn under two hundred thousand dollars a year or combined taxable income of under $200,000. So, Which would be uh, the majority of the Australian population, really. Pretty much, yeah. So they're sort of capping it as well to try sort of, you know, fit that sort of low to middle income earners, which obviously is where they're trying to get the money put out to. Mm. One thing I saw in one of the things, I can't remember which one I was reading, but it was um, the scheme is really helpful for the bushfire victims. So kind of feel like the forgotten uh, people of the... The tragedy that has been 2020 so far, but kind of that all happened at the start of the year and since Corona and everything's happened, it's kind of we've forgotten what it seems like. We've forgotten what's happened there. So it kind of, I swear it said something mm. along the lines like helping them, um, you know, build their properties back and also kind of create all those important, um, what do you have to do? You have to put in special things to be uh, bushfire proof or... Bushfire victims. The new scheme will be also designed to help bushfire victims who have lost their home this summer to rebuild and bushfire proof their properties. Yeah, that's there what I go. mean. Like, can't, yeah, I was basically everywhere there, but not yeah. right on the button. So, when you build a new house these days, you have to get a bar rating done. So, it's a special rating that before you can build a home, it has to have a certain quality depending on where you're. Yeah, and so that, that determines like the materials that you use. Yeah. and There's other things like depending on um, where the house is, you might have to put a water tank at the front of your driveway for fire engines to connect into, things yeah. like that. So they're in a position to help defend the property if needed. You, at one stage, you were looking at building in on a block of land one or two years ago and that was something that you, had, you were really kind of tossing up. Is this something I yeah, can... Yeah, and that was a block of land in the middle of Lena Valley as well. So, yeah, so that's um, bushfire ratings, you don't have to be completely out to sort of fall into that category. Yep. Um, it depends what your property backs onto as to if you need to sort of qualify for a bar rating or not. So yeah. it's part of all new build now. You have to have a certain score. Yep. And the higher the score is, the more restrictions you have of what you can and can't build the place out of. And I guess one good thing of being kind of having $25,000 that's not exactly your money but granted to you. That'll go a long way to go helping you getting it ready to go. Yeah, and kind of cover some of those things that are a bit more expensive because they've got a, a specific purpose. Well, the, a question just popped in my mind then. Um, a lot of the time when we're getting advice on you know, buying or selling is that should I do any work to my house to make a difference? 
And often I'll, I'll play at a scenario. I think we discussed in the pod many years, uh, long, many years ago. Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little, while, a little while ago where you've got three, I, I, I just have little, you know, little frameworks, but you say, yeah, um, you know, you're protecting your value. Uh, what, what, what would I say is like protecting yeah. your value yeah. and enhancing your value or overcapitalizing. So, you know, as we said, protecting your value is repairing a crack in the wall. If it costs you 50 bucks, it's not like you get that 50 bucks back. Um, but if, but a lot of people will say, well, you know, if, you know, if, if there's a small renovation, it might not be worth it, but then would people start thinking, well, if I can get double the amount of value in my house, would, why don't I just renovate my house now? Cause I could probably get what I really want otherwise in moving, or, you know, might people be thinking, you know, if, uh, if we can leverage, um, the, this work, could that increase my sale price? I don't know. It's, it's, I'm just thinking out loud at the moment, but I just think about it though. Like, Excuse me. Um, get your house painted out throughout, sort of, you know, four to five thousand dollars, and new carpet throughout's probably another three to five. Yeah. So, say you had ten thousand, and you're able to get half of that back, then it probably is worthwhile doing that before you go to market and sell. So, absolutely, you're getting twice the value. Yeah. I guess that's half the point of this stimulated thing is it's got to be appealing enough that you want to kind of uptake it. Yeah. Mm. So don't don't get too caught up on the idea that you have to do the big giant renos. Like you could put it towards a smaller project and just take three thousand from the fund. Yeah. You don't have to try and get access to the full twenty five. Maybe you only spend six in total and you get three back from the government. But it does help present the house better ready for sale. So they are conversations that are going to become a lot more sort of important, I guess, when you start to sort of look at properties and what you're selling out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, but I, I know we're in full well for Tassie. I know, I mean, it's great that we've got a pretty good building industry here, but there's just this lack of available tradespeople. Um, I can't imagine what all of a sudden the demand that's going to be placed on the, um, like the workers is great because obviously they'll have work for the next several years, realistically at the pace that Tassie can keep up. So that's going to be another thing that they'll, they'll have all this stimulus, but we'd, you know, probably just, you know, it's a, there's still a long way behind getting enough new apprentices and people through the industry to keep up with that demand, especially in Hobart anyway. That might know. be the stimulus that there's a lot of people out there without work at the moment who kind of uh, maybe looking to make a change or kind of be like my industry, you know, you work in hospitality or something like that. And it's kind of like, well, I can't take another hit like this. Mm. I'll go become an apprentice. Like what was it? Matthew Wade, the cricketer, he thought he'd never get to play for Australia again, went and did an apprenticeship with one of his mates mm. and you know, got on the tools at age 33 or whatever it was. Now he's back playing cricket, but, you know, anyone can pivot and, and find a, um, a second career. So maybe, you know, plenty of apprentices. Well, that's what I love about it because I guess one, um, I, I, hope, I hope, all right, Luke, Mark, pay attention. I'm going to spitball here and see if I get it right. <laughs> it's just that, um, you know, there, there was uh, in the, the, the lack of respect for the building industry in that sense. So everyone started to seek higher education for more professional jobs in that sense so we didn't have this new run of good um good young people coming through so that's sort of what over the long term um has created a lack of available tradespeople. so it's just a means that but hopefully now you know it is exceptionally well i hope it should be a well-respected industry you know and it is an exceptional career um and there is um so I'm, i'm with you mate is that if this can it still might take a few years for obviously the training to come through but obviously the builders will be now have the capacity and the demand to be able to justify um, putting on these new people so that they can be well trained and can be upskilled, so that within you know in long term in the future we've got another great pool of young people that um, will join the building industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like a uh, a win win for builders already and maybe future builders mm. and master builders in Lego. <clears throat> like. <laughs> 
we will jump off to a break here, but um, if Pat's looking a little drowsy in his video, it's because he's been up the last oh, three minutes yeah. uh, conferencing. But we'll uh, we'll jump back and then we'll we'll come back with a little info on that. 414 Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006 with their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property. They have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at McGregorFN.com. All right, as I just mentioned, uh, Patrick may be looking a little drowsy at the moment. He might have hit a wall and you might have seemed like me and John were carrying the show for a little while there, but it's uh, it's all because Pat's been up. Well, Pat, you've been essentially in Las Vegas for the last three nights. <laughs> yeah, and I'm running on coffee fumes at the moment. So, so yeah, so just to clear up, if anyone's listened from the start or listened back to any previous episodes, you actually went to America for this very conference last year. Yeah, so last year I headed over to Vegas for a conference called Iman Connect, um, which is a big American, well, it's now a worldwide conference. People from all over the world go to it. Yep. Averages somewhere between five to 8,000 agents normally attend it. Obviously, we're supposed to go again this year to it, but the world changed and so the conference didn't happen. However, well, it they, has happened, but just Yeah, different. it's just differently. They decided at last minute to pivot and obviously cancel the in-person conference and change it to an online conference. So we're still able to do the conference. The only downfall is that because we're in Australia, it starts at midnight and finishes at, you know, 9am each day. So it's been a couple of long days because I've been up all night here at the office watching different speakers from around the world. It's very funny. It's kind of like having the um, the shift workers where you change shifts. So I'll come in in the morning and Pat will be heading off to go back to bed or looking like he is now. It's kind of worse for wear and he's been been on. I've been up partying all night. I've, yeah, I've worked it out. I've had... Four hours sleep out of 53 hours. <laughs> so, Beast. Ready to go to sleep, well, to be honest. Funnily enough, you're the one making the most sense on today's show. So, yeah. Uh, look, it's been fun, though. Um, it's been really interesting because it's been a different type of conference. Um, obviously, they're normally talking about you know, all the great, amazing things that are coming through in the industry and what we can expect to see here in Australia in the next two to three years. But this time, they've been really talking about how agents are getting through COVID and like how the real estate industry has adapted to be able to still do what we do on a daily basis. So, yeah, it's obviously we've now come up with a lot of systems ourselves, but it's been very interesting to hear how everyone else has coped with it in different ways. Yeah, so how are they kind of going over there? I know they have kind of a different um, setup in the States with the way mortgages and everything work. Yeah, so look, the biggest thing that's probably changed is they talk about... Um, you know, having a physical versus digital aspect. So physical is how most agents and John and I included would do majority of our work where yep. we meet with the client and we show them through the house, we sit down with them, we do a contract together and away we go. Yep. Um, obviously when COVID hit and restrictions came into play, that became a very hard way to do real estate. So a lot of people were forced to adapt and go more digital with a lot of their aspects. Which is right up your alley. Yeah, it was. And like for our office, it wasn't too much of a pivot for us because we were already doing a lot of digital aspects. But for a lot of agents, what people have to understand is a lot of agents get into real estate 
in sort of in the later years as a career change. Yep. And so technology can be scary for a lot of agents oh, in the definitely. industry. Yeah, yeah. But it's basically been a sink or swim type thing for a lot of agents have had no choice but to learn how to use simple things like Zoom and Facebook video and, you know, different technologies that are out there because they oh. didn't have a choice. Are we uh, stimulating the economy right now? Can you hear that, J-Mac? I can. Yeah, she's come through. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit of building in the background today, guys, so I apologise <laughs> on that. Jeez, you guys jumped right onto that. Well, <laughs> funny you say that though, Pat, because didn't you say that a lot of the speakers they're cutting to, you can actually physically hear the rights that are going on as well? Yeah, so that's the other problem that we've had is that obviously – unfortunate timing as well with everything that's happening in America at the moment is that um, because all the speakers are presenting from home by different like webcast methods like what we're doing now, you can actually hear the riots happening outside some of the speakers' houses because they obviously Amazing. live quite, that's quite close to the center of the city and they've had a couple of New York agents and the New York agents have had to start their thing and say, look, I apologize for the noise in the background. That is a protest that's happening right outside my window at the moment and I can't do anything about it. Wow, um, that's, so, that's crazy. Yeah, it's been um, fascinating. But there was a couple of key things that I really found interesting on how agents have adapted. Um, and one of the things I qu- found quite interesting was like the different technologies that are being used now in the States. Yep. And I, obviously these are all stats based around America. However, what we tend to find is stats that in America tend to flow through fairly close here in Australia as well. They don't differ too much. Yep. Uh, so some of the things that have been interesting is 46% of agents in America now are using VR staging. So that's like when you have an empty house and we put fake furniture into the... Which photo. is something we did just this week. We had a, a nice property that um, that was empty and we'd seen it with furniture and we just said, oh, it just misses. You are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that noise is really going to annoy us now, but hey, we're going to have to push through this. But you've used fake vintage before, haven't you, John? Yeah, several times, several times. Yeah. And look, again, it, it accomplishes the same thing in that um, sometimes a blank a blank room with a giant um, just empty room, it's hard to figure out what I would do with that lounge space. So just by being able to digitally put that furniture so people can see how that room could be used um, is exceptionally effective and it's really cheap too, you know? Um, quite yeah, I guess it's... I guess it's like the edge furniture that we've uh, discussed with, is it Adam? Yeah. 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 Yep. Adam shift, having shift, shift uh, styling. Yep. Yes. Shift probably styling. Having those guys in, um, you know, that's one way of doing it, but then there's mm. also a way of kind of doing it digitally. And I've been experimenting with a little bit of photo editing to, to try and replicate it. But yeah, it's quite a skill to yeah, be able to create that feeling in an empty space. Yeah, so some of the other technologies, and a lot of these we use pretty heavily already in Australia, but in America we have to remember as well that the volume of properties that they sell over there is just astronomical. So they don't do as much marketing as what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, 61% of agents are now using floor plans and professional photos. Obviously here in Australia it's probably 95 to 100% yep. these days. Uh, 63% are using 3D tours, so like our Matterport tools that we use. 78% of them are using personal property websites. So unlike using your realestate.coms and your domains, they're actually going to making onesmithstreet.com.au and actually making a personal landing page for their property. And that's a, um, do they have like a realestate.com kind of portal? Yeah, so the, they have two. They've got realtor.com and zillow.com, two massive websites. Ah, oh, Zillow, we've talked about. Yeah, we've talked about Zillow in the past. Um, yeah, but I feel like a lot of realtors are trying to get away from that and move into like trying to get people back just to them and their moment. Yeah. Well, it's uh, good. It, sorry to interrupt, Pat. Right. It's, it's important to remember too that in the States, they've still got the multi-list system. So um, whereas in Australia, the common thing is you've just got a listing agent and then buyers represent themselves. In America, um, buyers have their agent look after them as well. So it's a whole different dynamic in the way that you approach buying and selling. 
Yeah, and then like 81% are using drones now and 94% of agents in the last three months have started using video tours. So that's been the real shift in how agents have started to adapt. We've not been able to physically show people in person is doing video tours, which a lot of agents here in Australia are using now as well. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. But one of the um, people that were talking in the conference last night was actually when he was describing this digital versus um, physical world is that with all these great technologies – the need for the agent almost becomes irrelevant because they like, um, you know, they can go online and find the property themselves. They can look at it online. They can walk through it themselves. They don't really need to talk to the agent until it's time to do a contract. Yeah. And he was starting to ask the question, well, at what point does the contract just become like ability to do that digitally as well? And then what's the need for the agent? Yeah. Um, but he's, so his company has been specializing in value adding and one of the, like he's about to launch this product any day now and it's really cool, John. You, I reckon you'll like this, J-Mac. Hmm. Uh, so what it does is obviously a lot of people get a building inspection done when they obviously... Um, Preparing yeah, to put an offer in for the house, yeah. Yeah, so what he can do now with an app that he's about to send live is he can actually get a building inspection done on it and when they um, transfer the documents into their name so they become the official owners of the property, yep. he can actually give them access to his app and the building inspection gets loaded into the app. It it automatically reads it using you know AR technology and all that system learning stuff that computers yep. do these days. Yep. And it'll say, righty, oh, the gutters need to be replaced in three years. It'll go and get quotes automatically in three years' time from his preferred suppliers, and it'll go back to the you, Aaron, as the vendor, saying, yeah. hey, you know, it's, it's time, time to look to at do this. Yeah. I've gone out and I've sourced some quotes for you. And here they are here. Is there anything here that like, brilliant. do you want to use right. one of our people to get that done? And so they're trying now to develop systems to value add for a real estate agent, mm. which is above and beyond just the facilitating of the transfer of the property. Yeah. It's almost becoming the person that looks after the property for life. So almost like a property manager. For sales side. For, yeah, yeah. Like as a uh, the, landlord. The app also goes further because they're working with a lot of banks now. So um, where the app can automatically every month refinance you to the best available mortgage that's currently out in the Ooh. marketplace, you don't have to do anything. So Ooh. if the system has found that he can transfer your mortgage from, you know, JR Bank to PQ Bank and it'll save you $50 a week in mortgage repayments, it just does it automatic. It'll just do it automatically. So there's, there's companies that already do that from the, in the States with, um, actually I know there was one that tried to launch in the UK or Australia. It might've been UK when I saw it with the same with your, you know, your phone bill and your electricity bill, et cetera. It just automatically switches providers. Yeah. So that's so, thing it's going to happen for mortgages, but I want that. Um, sorry, I shouldn't interrupt you. Right. Pat, keep going. Uh, Cause okay. I was thinking, was to, you know, um, with the complexity of the contracts then between the banks, like I'd imagine they'd be fighting really damn hard to make sure. Yeah, I don't know how. Or well, and then, and the other thing too yeah. is that, you know, the banks will have a personal interest when you take out, when you do get a loan on your property, um, you know, if people, if you might not see it, but if you grab a copy of your title and the text on it, it just describes that there's a covenant attached to your title now that says that your bank that you've got a loan against has a direct inf- in interest in your property. That's why um, in the contract for Tasmania, it describes the, um, remember we got a client of ours got caught in a once where it says that the vendor must produce a good and marketable uh, documentary of the title and he wasn't able to do that and that's why the settlement was delayed well the contract was cancelled in the end because um he owed more on his mortgage than the property would, was selling for and so therefore the bank wouldn't release him from his obligation to the um for the contract so they wouldn't release the title therefore the property couldn't sell so um you know it'd be interesting to see then if they try to integrate that 
process into Australia, um, the biggest hurdle I would imagine would be um, moving through the banks and the obviously the interest they have on each property. Yeah, so look, these are all just pipelines at the moment and things that are not even live in America yet, but this is what they're looking ideas. at. Ideas, yeah, yeah. Ideas that they're working on with different tech companies to be able to still stay relevant in the ever-changing digital market. I guess it all it just takes someone to disrupt it, to throw it, throw it off and change everything. Yeah, so with COVID coming, they've basically said disruption has gone flat out because everyone has had to completely rethink how everything's been done. And that's not just in real estate, like restaurants have oh, adapted. Yeah. Everyone has oh, had yeah. to adapt to a new way of doing things yeah. in a really quick period of time. And that's what's led these guys down this rabbit hole of radio. Well, how much of what is now being done digitally do we turn back to physical? And so that's become was part of the that's where the conversation then leads to like we've done such a great job of streamlining our business because we've had to because we couldn't physically go see people. Yep. How much of it do we need to do physically now? And how much should we continue to do digitally moving forward? So, mm. that, and obviously a real estate agency has always been a people person. Like we build rapport with our clients yeah. and, and that's why someone chooses to get us to act on their behalf. But can you do that digitally or does that have to be personal? And that, this is what now the question is starting to be asked is once COVID starts to ease down over the next six to 12 months, what do we... What does the world look like after yeah. that? I know there's lots of people whose industries were saying, you know, it's impossible for you to work from home. Like the reason that you come into the offices all the time is that it's impossible. But so many people have proven like, oh, no, you can't actually do that part of your job from home. Mm. And it's kind of like your conference you were just talking about. We, when we went to buy the coffees, I said, oh, well, how are you finding the conference kind of done digitally? And you're like, oh, I actually kind of like it a little bit better. Like there's, there's pros and cons. Yeah, like nothing beats the atmosphere that you get from being somewhere in person. But it's like going yes. to sport. It's like oh, yeah. it's awesome watching it on in live in person, but, but in it's stadium. on the TV, but it's not it's a as completely good. different experience. Yeah. yeah okay, and so like yeah. a conference is no different. And like they've done the best they can to pivot and create an online version. And it's been good because I've had full access to my computer so I can do notes better. I can grab screen grabs. There's Q and A question chat system happening the whole time the conference is happening. Yep. So it's it's got some good aspects of it, but at the same time it's missing some of the yeah. things that make it like special. So uh, I think that, that just to expand that point, you just right on there, Pat, you said it's missing something that makes it special. And see, that's the human component of it. And that's where, that's why going to a sports stadium is different. You know, watching the game live is different. Going to a music concert, you know, is different than watching it on your lounge room. There's this, that almost, be, it's just a, a different element of human connection. That's an energy that you can't get um, by watching the TV. And there's, I want to expand on that and the idea of the, on the service industry and in that every service industry has is ripe for disruption because each little step of the way technology can eliminate one little extra step where the human doesn't have to do it. Um, so when I think, you know, what we would perceive as in the real estate industry is that um, by all stretch, we are purely a service industry. You know, we were talking about the building before. You need physical labour. So you can't, until technology gets so advanced that, you know, robots are doing it. Now that still requires the, the largest, you know, real high, high element of um, human um, need in that service. But in real estate, each, every little step of it gets taken away from us. Yeah, that's right. How do we provide value? And I think if you look at it in terms of if you um, want to provide value to someone, is that you're enabling them to do other stuff that they want to do. So rather than spending 10 hours a week trying to search for a property and do all the little biddly bits, it's like, look, you go about your life and I'll call you on Thursday at five o'clock and all I need you to do is make a decision because we've done the 10 hours work for you. Now, that's what it sort of means to be um, as in a, in a means of service. So 
that's interesting then that if the, um, with all these immediate stuff getting taken away, is it, well, then how do we future enable people to not have to worry about their properties? Well, it's like, that's all right. We've got the lifetime of your ownership covered. We'll, we'll, we'll prompt you when you can do quotes. We'll prompt you with good opportunities, et cetera. Um, so then all you need to do is just sit there, go about your life, do what you want to do. And then every now and again, we'll call you up and you just want to make a decision. Yes or no. And it saves you having to do the research. Um, so that's really, I, I like the way that they um, are sort of moving towards that. And well, in the end, you know, was it, you know, I was looking at a, some video where Apple and big tech companies are always basically trying to disrupt themselves so they're not caught out. You know, it's like Apple by invention of the iPhone completely eliminated the desire for the iPod. Um, so I guess even in our businesses, we have to be looking at, to be doing the same because um, all the jobs that we would to, to take time for the other person just aren't as valuable as they used to be. So how do we become more valuable in another sense? Yeah. Wowzers. I think you've just summed Mac, it up there. Mac, Mac attacked it. Yeah, you've Mac attacked us right at the end. <laughs> Needed to make up for last week. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get a, someone will write in and say that, no, John, Apple didn't do that and yeah. you're actually wrong. Yeah, you, you're wrong. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that because I'm you know, wrong 90% of the time. It's, uh, Look, and you learn from your mistakes. So we, <laughs> we actually learned from our mistake last week. Right. You learned from your brother and we learned from people on the other side of the world. So we appreciate any feedback um, and anytime we're wrong, just let us know. We're happy keep, to hear. Because we're going to keep swinging. That's right. Um, it's been way, way more fun doing this week than it was last week, boys. So we appreciate anyone that's returned to us after. Look, people might not have even noticed how hard of a slog it was oh, last week. Have, they would have had I listened to it and I was oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for sticking with us. Um, you know, we made a mistake last week by recording and <laughs> this week we hope it hasn't been a mistake. No, nah, I'm feeling a lot happier. The, the flow is back this week, boys. We've done well. I'm happy. Yeah, now you can go and you should set Sleep. up a cot in the, in the cupboard over there and you can just have a nap there. Yeah, well. No, people are coming pesty you for things. Just go home and have a nap and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Sounds good, boys. I'm out of here. All right. See ya. See ya. See ya. You have been listening to The Property Pod, produced and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Real Estate and McGregor First National Propriety Limited. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations express or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information.